Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Hey, everybody. I hope all my caregiver nation has had a good New Year's. Wow, it's already the 2nd of January. Can you believe it? Hope everybody had good holidays. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, whatever. (laughs) Happy New Year. I am really psyched today because you have met this guest before. And got some feedback that you really liked her, and I'm happy to have Stacy back. Stacy Nasland is here. She's my good friend, and she's also the executive director of Spring Ridge Park Assisted Living. It's a total memory care community, and I have said over and over and over and over again, and she always blushes when I say it, but she runs the best community in the state of Colorado. And I'm proud of you for that, my friend, Thank and you. I love your person-centered care approach. So welcome to the show, Stacey. Thank you, Jill. So- so glad to be back. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you back because I recently invited you to participate in the University of Colorado Hospital Neurology Memories Disorders Clinic class that I do. And we had a big group on last time. We had like 38, 40 people, something like that. That's wonderful. And it's important to me, I've said this over and over to my listeners, that it's important to me to have that synergy with someone who teaches the same thing that I do. And so I'm working with people who are still in their homes, and you have the great alternative when they can no longer work with that scope of care, right? right? And we see that a lot, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's, you know, it's just an extension of home is what we like to think of our community. You know, it people, not everybody is cut out to be a caregiver for somebody with dementia. It takes a village, as you know, as we talk about a lot, it takes a village and um, we're just part of that village. Right. And, you know, for me, you and I worked together at the Alzheimer's Association. You Mm -hmm. were on the Speakers Bureau and you did a whole lot of volunteer work there. Um, And I really always appreciated that because we always looked at that person-centered care the same way, really understanding that person's history and who they were so that we can take that information, especially from their younger years, and you and I both be able to teach their families to work with it and and you, their caregivers, when they move into your community because they go back in time and you can utilize those those uh, memories and so forth. How do you how do you translate that? How does it work when they come into the community and they're they have advanced Alzheimer's and now you're needing to draw upon their sure. history? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of what we do before somebody moves in is have families fill out life stories. Life stories go all the way back as far as somebody can tell us. Childhood, child, first pets, um, where they went to school, brothers and sisters, into adolescence, their first job, their first car, hobbies in high school, because those long-term memories do stay. Um, so if they're talking about Joe's malt shop, we can go back to our history and say, oh, well, that was their first job. So we can talk to them about what it was like to sling ice cream at the malt shop, <laughs> right. you know? Um, 
one of the things that you know we you and I both teach is join their reality and that's part of joining that reality if we don't know where in reality where in their reality they're at how can we join them you know so knowing those things about their past and their history and if they're talking about a certain family member we know it's their sister we know it's their mom that they're actually talking about and we can join that reality you know it gave me an idea here recently that um, I have a beginner class that I call my advanced beginner class because I teach them about the brain and how the brain is oh. supposed to function yep. and then what they will see when there is impairment. And I think in the upcoming classes, if you're open to it, yeah. in the next class uh, where I have a continuum class, maybe we could do a, a duo teaching thing oh, where we just talk to them and, and ask them about what's going on in your home. What are you looking yes. at? And this is the way that we would work with it. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be fun. That would be great. I would love that. I I always think of the question that always gets asked. Um, I want to go home, you yes. know, and I feel like family members, um, that is that is a long-term memory, you know, that home could mean a hundred different things. And I think that's one of the big things that somebody needs to know how to respond to that question. Um, oh, absolutely. You know. I've seen you utilize history. You had a a resident who was a nurse or a caregiver mm-hmm. or something like that. And mm-hmm. remind uh, remind me what it was that you gave – the job you gave her, the yeah. purpose that you gave yeah. her. Yeah, so once a nurse, always a nurse, right? <laughs> right. And uh, she, when she moved in, she was not into bingo. She was not into the arts and crafts. She was a nurse. And being in a community setting where we are caring for people, she saw that nursing role happening there, right? So she – her her daily joy was to stand by the nurse's cart or the medication cart. And kind of supervise, right? <laughs> so we um, ended up giving her, and she's an old school nurse. She doesn't, you know, she wasn't doing EMARs and things like that. So we gave her a chart. We gave her nursing notes to fill out. Um, and she she did her job. She did her job all day. She supervised that medication cart. She took notes. Um, and <laughs> she was happy as a clam. You know? That is so awesome. You know, I, uh, I, I work all the time with families saying, Please recognize that that person is back in that mm-hmm. that time period. It's hard to get the families to shift. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's a strange phenomenon that they see what the person has lost. Yes. We see what the person can still do. Yeah. Right? Yes. But, but having said that, getting them to meet that person where they are mm-hmm. – is difficult. And I do that with families all day long. How do you work with your staff to have them meet that person where they are? Yeah, I think it's easier for our staff. It's harder for family because like you said, they're looking at what they've lost. They're looking at, you know, mom is not acting like she always once, always did. Mom is not who I used to know her as. But for us as staff and caregivers, we are focused on them solely how they are right now. You know, mm-hmm. this, we don't know how they used to be. We don't know all the things that they've lost. So we really focus on what they can do still and where they're at in their journey. Um, so the life story is a big part of that. You know, just finding that purpose for them every day. Um, and part of that is the life story, what they did do in their past, what their occupation was. You know, were they a homemaker? Were they a, an accountant? Were they a nurse? Whatever that's like. So we, we kind of join them 
in that reality. And um, I have a gentleman that lives with me right now who is an accountant. You know, he, his office, he has an office, he has a briefcase, he does taxes, you know, the whole nine yards. And he's not really happy unless we are, he is working and doing stuff like that. Right. Um, so we know that when he's getting a little antsy, we go get his office, which is his briefcase. Um, we give him old financial papers. We give him our taxes, you know, come January now that it's January, um, we're ready for him to do all of our taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I know that guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I'm hoping, and I, I really want to see, you know, our partnership with these classes. Yeah. If it, if it's easier for you when a family has had the education. Yes. When, you know, I mean, we often get, uh, I bring my clients to you and say they now need a place to live. And right. and when they haven't been in the classes, I, I'm, I'm curious to see when somebody comes straight from their home and they've had no education per se. Right. They've called me at the last minute and then I'm trying to help them with a the move in. That's one thing. But what would it be like if you are getting people who've been in my classes for over yeah. a year? Oh, yeah. You know, and now we're going back around and we're changing the classes up a little bit. And the continuum classes um, teach them so much more about how to work with that person. I, I hope you've, you've had a couple of my uh, folks that yeah. have moved in where their families have had that right. training. Right. Has it made a difference? Oh, it makes a huge difference. I think not necessarily for us it makes a difference, but I think it makes a difference for the relationship that they have with their loved one. Right. right. If you're constantly f trying to get your loved one to be who they used to be and, you know, well, they're, why are they doing this and why are they doing that? And, you know, you're not enjoying the moment. Folks with dementia live in the moment. Right. And, you know, that's sort of one of the beauties about dementia. They're not worried about the past. They're not worried about the future. They are living in the moment. And if families can learn to do that, their relationship with their loved one is going to be so much more enjoyable and rewarding for them because they can live in that moment. Um, it's also easier because then they don't get frustrated. Their love, when they're visiting with their loved one, when they're talking with their loved one, they can enjoy that moment instead of putting a lot of pressure on their loved one to be who they used to be. Um, I think that makes a huge difference. I think sometimes it's harder when the person moves in on the family member yes. than it is the person. Oh, yes. And one of the big things I try to prepare families for is that first month is going to be difficult because for them because that person now has no one providing coping skills nobody's providing the answer. Nobody's finishing yeah. the sentence. Nobody's okay. helping them. I mean, you do help them to get dressed, but yeah. I mean, that cloak of safety yeah. is now removed. Yeah. And it appears often that that person has become worse overnight. Declined, yeah. And, and families, uh, they really take that on yeah. and think, Maybe I did that. Right. But the fact of the matter is that that's just the real depth of the disease yeah. presenting itself. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and that's what I tell my families too. You know, on the like you said, on the surface, it looks like they've had a decline. But really, they're being allowed to be who they are. You know, because when we're at home, when they're at home with their loved ones, we saw this with our own family, you know, a lot of pretending happens and a lot of keeping, trying to keep up, keep up with those normal appearances and not look silly and say the right thing. 
that's exhausting for the person with dementia. Um, totally. So when they're in an environment with other people who are like-minded, um, they are able to be free now and be who they want to be. And, and they don't have that pressure and that stress of trying to keep up with the wife, keep up with the husband, you know, making sure the kids think they're fine, you know, kind of thing. So in, in the... In the forefront, it looks like a decline, but really it's it's just them – it's allowing them to be who they are, right. which I think is a gift to your loved one too. One way I hope that the classes and the education for these families helps is also understanding the staff mm-hmm. because there's yeah. a big – worry. There's an enormous weight on their shoulders that they're now allowing someone else to care. Um, And that's why I thank you so much for sponsoring the classes because I've got over 140 people that sit in on these classes. I just realized when I sent out the next class announcement yesterday, I blind copied the folks, but there were 140 people on that list. And it adds more new people, about 20 to 30 Every single month. That's awesome. And the next class, by the way, folks, is going to be January 6th, tomorrow, 1.30 to 3.30 Mountain Time. It's not too late to get in on it. It's a Zoom call. It will remain a Zoom call um, forever and ever. Amen, I think, because even when we go back to doing it in a live setting, I'll still have my computer and put it on Zoom so people around the world can be part of it. But the goal of them learning to know you and uh, know how your staff works, I think is incredible. We've never had that connection prior for families to see inside a community or meet in an executive director and have them kind of become their friend and participate in the class. I haven't even had the chance to do that, so I'm looking forward to it. But how cool will that be to let let family members see inside a community before they ever walk in? Yeah, absolutely. Right? You know, and – like back to your point of, you know, it's it's really hard. This is the hardest decision a family has to make is moving their loved one, right? Mm-hmm. But once they've just, they've realized that, you know, this is what needs to happen, I always tell families, you know, now you don't have to be – so I used to teach a class called Savvy Caregiver. Right. Um, part of – it was a six-week-long class. Well, one of the parts that we talked about was all the different jobs that somebody has to do. So say, you know, a wife is taking care of a husband. Well, she's not just a wife. She's now the nurse. She's now the cook. She's now the chauffeur. She's now the activities director. You know, all these things go into taking care of somebody. Well, once you make that decision to move your loved one to a community where they can get more help, you don't have to do all of that anymore. You, right. you can go back to being the wife. You can go back to being the daughter, the son. Um, that's what we're there for now. And, and you can enjoy that relationship again, whatever it looks like. You can enjoy that relationship again without having all the stress of all those other jobs that a lot of us didn't go to school for, aren't prepared for, you know, so. Right. And that's so meaningful to families to really embrace that thought. Another cool thing um, that I hope that you enjoy as a sponsor is the synergy that we now have with the University of Colorado Hospital neurologists. Wonderful. So there's 12 different neurologists that I work with that their disciplines are Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, Lewy body, and PCA, posterior cortical atrophy, uh, with Victoria Pellick, Dr. Victoria Pellick. And I'm actually working with a new doctor, um, uh, Ethan Plies, please. I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. Um, And uh, Zach Mackey, who have just joined the team as well, who are bringing a psychiatric approach. One of them is bringing a psychiatric approach to the difficult cases. 
That's trying to help families. And so we get to have the doctors involved in yeah. the beginning. They send the people to the classes. They're their patients. Yeah. We get to help them, and I get to help them while they're still in their home, and then you help them when when it is yeah. uh, a time for them to go and let someone else care and love right. them. And I love that. I just it's just it's a great continuum. Wonderful, yes. And I love how UC Health does that um, for their patients, you know, because a lot of times in normal family practices, you know, you get this diagnosis and then you're on your own or, you know, good luck. Here's my 10 minutes I get to spend with you and tell you you have this diagnosis. Right. And now, now what? <laughs> you right. Know? Um, you and I both know with dementia, I mean, the life expectancy is eight to 20 years. Right. That's a long time to deal with this. So if they can get that education on the forefront, you know, with the support of their doctors, and it's just all in one spot. It's just beautiful. And even the move-in is much easier because yeah. a lot of times the thing that takes the longest is getting the doctor to complete exactly. the paperwork. Yep. Well, now the doctor started this process, so it's much easier yeah. for them to be able to get that information yep. to you quickly, and they're much more willing to do it, which yes. totally rocks. Yeah. And for me, one of the cool things is I provide in-home assessments. So you know I write reports. Yep. I not only send it to the doctor, but I send it to you if the person is moving in. Right. So you actually get to have a little bit more insight. Right in where they live, yes. meeting them where they live. Yeah. So you know what kind of uh, lifestyle they had yeah. and whether or not they'll be a good fit for your community. Yeah, and totally that helps awesome. us prepare for their arrival too. You know, it's not just coming in cold, coming in blind. We, now we know this person who's coming to us right. in some way or shape or form, you know. So it's right. it's great. Um, I always say, you know, when I was teaching classes for the association and stuff, knowledge is power. And when you're dealing with a disease like dementia, you've got to have those tools in your tool belt. And this is just a great way to give them that start of, of having the, that knowledge and those tools. Well, I want uh, I want listeners to know, and by the way, since the last time you've been on the show, and it's been a couple of years yeah. now, I now have listeners in all 50 states and 54 wow. countries. Congratulations. So, awesome. yeah, isn't that crazy? Yes. So more people are listening. Yeah. And I encourage them to maybe talk to their neurologist mm -hmm. and talk about is there somebody that could kind of recreate what we're creating here. Right. We're in our fourth year now. Oh. I'm in my fourth year of working with UCH. Yeah. And I just really love that they are um, participating, not only participating, but they're they're basically the, the sponsors of it yeah. in terms of providing it. Yes. And you don't have to sponsor this class. It's not like when we're, no. when we're not COVID, you're full all right. the time. Right. You're doing this out of the goodness of your heart because oh, yeah. I asked you uh, to share this synergy and this process yeah. with families yeah. to make it easier for everybody. Well, and I love you for that. <laughs> yes. And it's something I believe in, you know. I mean, you, you, you've got to help the people that are in the trenches, you know. You've got to give them the tools and then when they're ready or they need it, then there's other, you know, now they feel comfortable having another option or another, you know, next step on that journey. Right. So I'm a little curious. I, I didn't want uh, to be too focused on, you know, the whole COVID virus right. and so on and so forth. Yeah. But we just are, we just moved through the holiday season. Yes. Right. And what a game changer this has been. <laughs> yeah. It's been yeah. really, really hard to try to figure out the rules and the regulations. Yeah. And I, I have been curious from day one, you have a smaller privately owned community. Right. Um, 37 residents? Mm -hmm. 37. And so 
I don't know how in the world you could ever keep them in their rooms or anything like that. Oh, no. How did you deal yeah, with well, that through 2020? We, we didn't. You know, um, honestly, from the beginning, um, we told families, we told the health department, everybody. We had to write plans and all that good stuff for, for isolation. And, um, you know, once that came down the pike saying we had to keep people in their rooms, we had to stop communal dining, we had to stop activities. Um, we quickly realized that was going to be impossible with a house full of people with dementia. <laughs> right. Um, maybe one or two could understand enough to stay in their rooms. So what we did is we did our best to keep it out, and we did our best to keep life as, nor- as normal as possible inside. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of a lot of communities really struggle. I mean, they had yeah. numbers in the 30s and 40s of people um, not – not surviving this right. and people getting this uh, pandemic yeah. and the virus. And yet you went like seven or eight months. Yeah, about nine months with That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and it was and it was good. You know, a lot changed this year for us and a lot of things that we took for granted. Um, you know, we realized how important, um, you know, we talk about person-centered care and I, I learned a new phrase, a new Term, and I think it's so appropriate, family-centered care. And we Ooh, saw, yeah. yeah, we saw in 2020 how important that family piece is. You know, at first we were like, oh, the beauty is they have dementia. They don't know if they saw their loved one yesterday or six months ago. Um, but we were very wrong, you know. I mean, they couldn't necessarily verbalize that they hadn't seen their loved ones. But by six months, seven months, it was taking a toll, you know. We we were doing our outside visits, we were doing our video calls, you know, everything we could do. But um, that lack of like human connection, you know, their loved ones had to six sit six feet apart. They had to wear a mask. They didn't always recognize them with the mask on. They couldn't hear them half the time. You know, it just <laughs> was yeah. so challenging, um, you know. And we realized really quickly how how much they were missing. You know, I mentioned a minute ago that that this takes a village. Um, our family members are a big of, part of our team as our nurse, as our dietary, as our activities. They are part of our family and part of our team. And we were missing a huge part of that team this year. Oh, I'm sure you were. And I bet the, the staff probably missed the families mm-hmm. to a degree too, right? I yeah. mean, you, you grow to sort of love all yes. of them. Yes. And then that disappears. Yeah. So – how did you maintain your staff? You have incredible longevity with your staff. Yeah, we do. We have we have staff that have worked with us for 14 years, you know, care staff that have worked there 8, 9, 10, 12 years. Um, and I think that helped us a lot in, in this time. We, we – Springer Park is a family. You know, we – I run it as a family. We are all family. We get along like family. We fight like family. <laughs> right. Um, but – but I think that also helped because we were in this together as a family. Um, even when we had the first scares, you know, back in May and, and you know, we, we thought maybe we had somebody with COVID, but they turned out negative, you know. Um, we didn't have anybody bail, you know. We didn't have anybody just leave us because they were scared. And they very well could have. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but I think that was also how we got through it because we did it together. Yeah. I want to ask you a personal question Mm -hmm. on this as the executive director. Mm -hmm. You are the leader. You're the the mama bear, so to speak, right? But this had to take Mm -hmm. an incredible emotional toll on you. I felt it myself with the families I work with. 
I every day, yeah. at least three times a day, and I am not kidding, yes. I get phone calls from families having the worst day of their life. Mm-hmm. It's emotionally exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this last year was <laughs> was that in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, honestly, a lot of prayer, a lot of faith. You know, I, I being in this role, I'm a, I'm a control freak because you have to be in this role, right? <laughs> I'm um, with you. <laughs> and I had to quickly give that up. You know, I had to quickly realize back March, April, realize that, you know, we are out of, this is out of our control, you know, and we had to rely on the hires up, the, the health department, those epidemiologists, those people that knew what was going on. We had to rely on them for, for information. Um, but we also quickly realized that they did not know all the information. <laughs> you know, they had not all the – they did not have all the answers. Right. Um, so we did our best. Um, transparency, honesty, and truth. You know, we, we really – even with my families, with my staff, you know, there were days where we just – the staff and I just sat around and cried and said, you know – talk to us. You know, we just talk together. I, I check in every day with my staff. How's your mental health? <laughs> How's your mental health today? Um, we had a lot of staff that went through personal things this year too, not just COVID, not just dealing with everything, but losses of um, spouses, losses of children. Um, you know, so we stuck together through all of that too. And and again, I think you just have to be honest and say, I don't know all the answers. Was there ever a point where you were worried about taking it home to your kids when it, when it finally did hit your community? Yeah, yeah, there was. But then it was like, you know what? We're strong. We're healthy. Um, it was my residents I was most worried about. Mm-hmm. You know, they were 100% on my mind. And my family has been so supportive and wonderful. And, you know, they're like, well, if we get it, we get it. Um, luckily, they we did not. They stayed, tested negative the whole time. But, you know, um, we're in a different situation than than our older than our seniors. You know, they're they're vulnerable. They're and your vulnerable. husband comes in; mm-hmm. he's an integral part of your community yeah. as well. The residents love him. Yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> and know. he loves them too. Yeah, and he he got to come in a few times here and there, you know, this summer and stuff like that. But um, yeah, he wasn't there a lot this year, and, and even the residents and the staff even were like, we really miss him because he's just one of those guys that comes in and just sings. And we call him the the singing painter because he, he'll come in and help my maintenance guy, and he'll paint rooms, and he puts on his headphones and just sings at the top of his lungs to Caleb <laughs> or whatever, you know. And and so everybody calls him the singing painter. <laughs> I like Caleb too. <laughs> yeah. But we, we miss that, you know. And, and again, that's part of the families being there and just the, you know, ah. Yeah. So usually every year, one of the things that you would do would be a coat drive and some some charitable things with your residents. One of the beautiful things that I've always loved about your community is these are people with late stage Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. but you don't treat them that way. No, no, no. And that's one of the cool things. I always loved when you load them up in the vans and take them around to look at Christmas lights with hot chocolate. Yeah, we're still going to try to do that tonight. Oh! (laughs) Or, uh, you know, we we still tried to do that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, how cool was that? So you didn't didn't lose those things. Right. You just had to find a new way to... We just did them differently. Yeah, (laughs) you know. Like, instead of a coat drive this year, we actually just put together bags for the Colorado uh, Coalition for the homeless, you know. So instead of having people bring a bunch of stuff to donate and that we could, you know, give back, we, we kind of just did it ourselves. And, and But it was, it worked. That's awesome. Yeah. I know um, 
there's been a lot of uh, great activities that you used to do that you couldn't utilize. Mm-hmm. And so when we come back from our break, I want to talk about some of the cool things that make your community what it is and how you sort of revamped them or um, readjusted, made alternatives to things you used to do. Sure. We'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988, to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, I'm back with Stacy Naslin, and Stacy is the executive director of Spring Ridge Park Assisted Living. It's a memory care community in Wheat Ridge, Colorado, and her community is just absolutely phenomenal. And I uh, started off today by saying she's a brand new sponsor for our mm-hmm. University of Colorado Hospital Neurology Department classes, which are I present um, through Summit Resilience Training, and I am the educator there. And I'm going to have Stacy come in and help me with some of the classes this year because I think that will be just amazing to create that synergy. So I wanted to talk about some of the cool things that make your community what it is that are a reflection of you Mm -hmm. as the director. So you used to take them out to dinner Mm -hmm. and you would have Italian week or Chinese week and things like that. And people go, wow, you take people with late stage Alzheimer's out to an actual restaurant. Yes, you do. Talk about that and then how you've adjusted it through the whole COVID. Sure. So yeah, we, we, before COVID, um, you know, we really try to do things as, as normal as possible, you know, just because they have dementia doesn't mean their life ends, you know, or just because they live in a care community doesn't mean they sit in front of a TV all day long. Um, honestly, we don't even have the TV on most of the time. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, we used to go um, movies. You know, we'd go see movies. Maybe it was the Elvis right. Cinema. Um, but the Elvis Cinema people, we'd go in the middle of the day, so there weren't a lot of people there. Um, but they knew us. They were ready for us. You know, it, it's just it's sort of bringing us to the community as well, which I think has made um, a huge difference. You know, we we go out to restaurants. We do theme, like you were talking about, we do theme weeks or theme months. You know, um, we used to call them armchair travel. So, we, <laughs> you know, um, say Italy was our was our country of the week. So we'd watch some documentaries about Italy. We'd, um, you know, make some Italian things, you know, whatever. And then we go to an Italian meal. 
um, my maintenance director, he's a, he does a lot of missionary work. So he did a presentation on Africa where he visited quite a few times. And then we tried, um, we, we actually made African food, but, you know, we'd, we'd make some dishes, things like that. But uh, so, yeah, we that's how we've kind of adjusted. We can't go out to dinner. We can't go to the movies. So we've done some things in-house. Um, during our Spanish week, we made homemade tortillas. Um, nice. Yeah, it was cutest thing ever. So we made homemade tortillas. Um, you know, we're, we're rolling the dough or, you know, whatever. And um, one of our little grandma, one of our ladies, she, we call her Spanish grandma. She's a little Hispanic lady. And she was just beside herself because she'd never seen a man roll a tortilla before. Like she, you know, cause we had everybody around the tables and, and she was just like just flabbergasted because she'd never seen a man make tortillas. Hey, really quick. <laughs> Is she the one that her grandson comes in all the time to visit her? Yes. Yeah. I love that yeah. kid. Yeah. He just comes in and oh, yeah. throws the love on her, yeah. and it's just absolutely beautiful. I, I want to go back to something that you just said. Yeah. So taking them out in the community. Mm-hmm. Now, number one, you're keeping things as normal as possible and engaging them in situations that the average person might think, well, isn't that scary or isn't that dangerous? But talk for a minute about – how that enlightens people mm. that don't have the disease, right. that are at these restaurants, that are at these movie theaters, and how you're enlightening them about, hey, these people may have a degenerative brain disease. Right. How are they – how do you think that education piece goes with them. Oh, I think it's huge. So, you know, it's getting better, but you know, several years ago there's a lot of stigma around dementia and oh they're they're crazy, they're you know, <laughs> they're out of control, whatever. So when here comes a group of us, you know, seven, eight of us with a couple caregivers and we're laughing and we're joking and we're having a good time and I mean these people have great senses of humor. Some <laughs> yeah. of them tell a dirty joke like nobody else, you know. <laughs> and um it, it brings that sense of normalcy. Like these people are still people. They're still normal, you know. Yeah, they may forget. Maybe they repeat themselves, you know, a couple times. Maybe they ask you the same question over and over again, but um, they're still they're still living humans. They still have purpose. They still can get out and have fun. Like I said, a lot of them tell a dirty joke better than anybody, you know. They can get up and dance. They, you know, those, my little Spanish grandma, her favorite phrase is shake it, don't break it, you know. <laughs> so every time you walk past her, you got to shake your booty, you know. Um, and they still have fun. And I think that's, that's what we bring to the community when we're taking them out and, and doing this. Um, you know, because a lot of people work at restaurants and, and the movie theaters and stuff. They're younger kids. Right. So they may not have been exposed to this kind of this thing um, yet or these kind of folks yet. So I'm glad to be that first introduction to them. <laughs> oh, I love that. And you've yeah. gone to Celestial Seasonings. Mm-hmm. You've done yeah. all kinds of yes. really yes. cool things yeah. that it would almost seem like these were people that just were coming to like a day day program or something and you're right. just taking them out for fun. That's one of the things I really, really love because you're one of the few communities I know of that really don't just say okay, we're going to go out yeah. for one meal or we're going to go get coffee somewhere and then they claim that they do it every single week or something. Right. You actually yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. We've missed that a lot yeah. during COVID. We, we really do. And again, it's one of those things that we can see where it's affecting them. You know, a lot of them, most of them haven't gotten out of the house all year, you know. Right. And it, and it does affect them, you know. They should still be able to do normal things like that. Well, I'm glad that you were able to still have some holiday charitable things that you've done yeah. and just be able to 
tweak and create alternatives to to some of those events that are so meaningful yeah. to them. Yes. You know, you yeah. just really need to be able to to do those kinds of things. It's um it's heartwarming. And it's wonderful. And it's always funny when I'm talking to a family about your community and yeah. I say, well, they do these things and they do these things. It's been almost a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. But one thing you still can do, a couple things you still can do, mm-hmm. is resident-led activities. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. So we have residents who lead our exercise every morning. We have residents, we have a retired pastor that lives with us. So when he feels like it, he'll lead morning prayer and devotional. Um, my little gal who used to run the med cart, you know, um, trivia, we have a couple residents who love to play the trivia game, um, you know, lead the trivia. Uh, it was funny one day I was filling in, this was a while back, but I was filling in for an overnight shift and I walked past this gentleman's room and I could hear talking in his room and it was like three in the morning. And I thought, well, maybe his TV's on. So I kind of just stopped and listened at his door. He was going over his trivia questions. <laughs> he was, like, playing <laughs> trivia with himself in his room. But that's what he loves to do, you know. So we, we try to get them involved. Again, it's it's not just the bingo game. It's not just watching TV. It's not just sitting. It's, it's that involvement and that engagement. And as you are um, doing your executive director job, yeah. um, you often will step in and bathe someone oh, yes. or you'll help feed someone. Yeah. And I just heard you say that you had to cover an overnight mm-hmm. shift. Yeah. <laughs> you had to cover yeah. a graveyard yeah. shift. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, COVID, for I all, know, right? all that you brought. <laughs> yes. It doesn't happen often, but, you know, because I have an amazing staff. But, you know, that's that's part of being in a community like that is it's all hands on deck. Sometimes somebody's not feeling it with a caregiver. You know, the caregivers are dressed differently than I am or I'm I'm a new face. So sometimes I'm more successful than, you know, the four people who've already tried this morning. Um, so I'm happy to do that. You know, it's, it's all hands on deck. It takes a village. Absolutely. <laughs> so every day you talk with your staff mm-hmm. about the residents. Yes. Why is that important? Yeah. Oh, it's so important because every day is different. (laughs) Every day is different for every one of them. Um, So every shift change, we do three shift changes a day. Um, I just happen to be there for the 2 o'clock shift change every day. Um, But 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. is the same same process. So we sit together when the new shift is coming on, the old shift is leaving. Um, We go over every single resident. We talk about how much they ate that day. We talk about, are they having a good day? Did they have a shower? You know, all those logistic things. But what's their mood like? How are they today? Well, they're a little feisty. So, you know, da 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 and this is what we did. Um, but then after we do that, after we talk about each resident, talk about what's going on, it also helps that communication piece, you know. So now I know that Mary has a med change today. Now I know that, you know, we had to give Joe um, medicine for his bowels. So we, we know to look for that in the evening. Right. Um, But in addition to that, we lay eyes on every single person. We go around as a group and see everybody, lay eyes on everybody. So then when I'm leaving my shift, I'm confident. I know how I left my people. And when I get here, I know exactly where they are and and how they're doing that day. And then I can keep an eye on throughout their shift. So I think that's just really important. The reason I asked you that is because... I have been in in the support groups that I facilitate every single month, and I have two different, well, three different ones that uh, I have a team of people helping me with these. Yeah. But the biggest concern is their loved one is in a care community and they haven't been able to touch them, and so on and yes. so forth. So I love hearing you talk about how your staff is still doing their job; they're yeah. still 
they're still engaging with that person in meaningful activity. And not only that, but they're still giving hugs and they're yeah. still giving baths and showers and sitting yes. and have a cup of coffee yes. and, and all those things that people wonder, are those things still going still on? Happening. Because I don't, I can't even get into the community. I can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, no, we still are. And we've told our families many times. So we, you know, that's another big thing through COVID was the communication with the families because they're not there. They can't see their loved ones every week, twice a week, three times a week. Like they use, I had spouses that were coming every day and they haven't seen their loved one or been able to hold their hand or hug them for 10 months. Yeah. You know, it's devastating, but they know that we are being their surrogates, you know? So how are you handling people that have had to have their loved one move in over the last year? Yeah. Or maybe even more recently, you know, um, when they move in, their big fear is if I, I, they may die in there and I don't get to come back and see them. Yeah. So how are you maneuvering that? How are you working right. through that journey right. of once they move in, can the person see them? Yeah. Yeah. So we have been. So what, you know, part of the new regulation was when somebody moved in, they had to quarantine for 14 days. Well, like we talked about, that's impossible with somebody with dementia. They will not stay in their room for 14 days. And it's cruel and unusual, to be quite honest, you know, to have somebody in this new environment who's already confused, who already doesn't really understand what's going on. And now we're just going to lock you in this room for 14 days. That's not fair. (laughs) So what we were doing is we were um, quarantining as much as we could at home before they came so that their quarantine days were um, less. Once they were in, then we were deeming that family as an essential visitor. Um, so while they were doing any time, any of their time, <laughs> doing time, um, <laughs> you know, the family was able to come in and be with them as an essential visitor until they were out in the community. And then once they were out and about in the community, then we switched to the outside visits and video calls and things like that. Now, with that being said, when somebody is declining, um, because we, you know, the first six months we did pretty good, and then we started to see that taking a toll and that decline, um, we started letting families come in um, as essential visitors um, and and seeing their loved ones. Um, You know, it started off as when they were on hospice, which also was not fair. You know, this this isn't, you know, this you want to be with them, not just at the end of life, you know. So um, we were working on a program, and then we had a we had COVID hit the building. Um, but what our plan was is deeming the power of attorney every every single person's loved one um, or power of attorney was deemed an essential visitor. We get letters from the providers, their doctors, saying that this is necessary, and it's like a mental health visit. Oh, that's awesome! Mm-hmm. Because you don't have a crystal ball; yeah. you can't tell when somebody. Yeah. I mean. Sometimes if you're lucky enough to have a cat in the building that can feel the vibe or something <laughs> right. like that. Oscar. <laughs> uh, right. You know, my mom's community, yeah. it was Ruby. Ah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that would go lay outside the yeah. door of a person or something. Yeah. We don't have that crystal no. ball. No. And families get upset about that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, they didn't tell me or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I hear this not from your community right. but other communities yeah. that, that they didn't have enough time or yeah. they didn't get in quick enough. Well, when we saw that, you know, the first couple of people that, you know, declined through COVID just for normal reasons, you know, just as everybody does. Um, 
it was too late, you know, by the time the family was able to come in and see them, there was no quality of a relationship, you know, the loved one's too far gone or, you know, declining too quickly or that sort of thing. And, um, you know, my nurse and I sat one day and, and just cried and said, we're, we're tired of watching people die by, by alone, you know? Right. I mean, yes, we're there, but that we're not, we're not their loved ones, you know? Right. Um, we can substitute for a little while, but there's nothing, nothing like that spouse or that family or that friend or that, you know, daughter holding their hand, you know, during that journey. So let's switch to something uh, that's equally important. What advice do you give your caregivers for their own emotional health Mm -hmm. right now? How do you keep their spirits up? What do you, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, you know, I ask a lot, like I said, I ask every day, how's your mental health? Let's talk, you know, um, staff is welcome to take time off if they need it. You know, we've all kind of been there, you know, especially towards the end of the last year, you know, the October to about December was, was brutal, brutal and burnout, 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 like super bad. Um, so, you know, we just, again, we come together. I have to say the families in my community have been amazing and we're all going to weigh 300 pounds by the time (laughs) this is over, right? Because of the food and the treats and just the love that they're pouring out onto us, which I think also makes it a lot easier. You know, we're, we're supported by them for sure. Like just not, you know, emotionally, you know, not just treats and goodies and stuff like that, but the letters, the cards, the, the, um, thank yous, you know, because I think a lot of times, especially in community settings like that, you know, it's always the negative. It's, you know, mom didn't have her teeth brushed. Mom's hair looks like, you know, she needs her clothes changed. We, and that was before COVID that was, you know, kind of the interaction a lot of the care staff had with families. Um, but it's changed. So I think that was something that changed for the better. Um, the families realized how much we were pouring out, you know, not only to their loved ones, but then we'd go home and take care of our own families. Right. And I think just hearing thank you and, and thank you for doing this. And, and we're so grateful to have you. And we're so grateful that my mom lives with you. And, you know, I think that was a huge um morale booster for a lot of us, you know. Right. And, you know, just to kind of brainstorm here a little Mm -hmm. bit, you know, maybe going to get their nails done or having somebody give them a massage. And I don't mean the residents. I mean your caregivers. Yeah. um, Sitting and having a cup of tea Mm -hmm. or baking some cookies with their kids or going for a long walk in the mountains or something, you know. Colorado has so many hiking Mm -hmm. trails. Uh, and really just trying to talk to somebody, their pastor, their best That's, friend, maybe write in a journal, yeah. some way to kind of get all of that out. Yes. Sometimes for me, if I'm angry or upset about something, I have to write it down on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and throw it in the fireplace. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. You know, to kind of release it. Yeah. But I worry about the caregivers Yeah. Uh, because you have – seen so much loss. Yes. And this has been such a game changer of a year. I'm really hoping that soon you tell me that your staff was able to get the new COVID vaccines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me too. We're, we're hearing, you know, one thing that I did about August, September is um, I just went to Walmart, got a dollar, you know, the dollar notebooks, composition books, 
and we did blessing books. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so all the staff got a book, and, it, you know, it's, it's about perspective, right? We can dwell on all the horrible things of 2020 and how bad it was and all the things, but I think when when you sit down and you list everything you're grateful for, thankful for, all the blessings that we do have in our life, um, I think a big one for us is we had the blessing of working. You know, look how many people were out of work. You know, we never we never lost work. <laughs> we never millions of Americans yes. lost their jobs. Yes. Yeah. So we were very grateful. So I think, you know, again, it's about perspective. It's it's writing, like you said, sometimes just writing it down and seeing a whole page of things that we are blessed with makes the few bad things that happen today not so bad. Well, and you know, Teresa, you're mm-hmm. you're awesome activities person. Not that she ever or any activities person you've had in years past took for granted right. the things that they were able to create or uh, prepare activity-wise, engagement-wise, and so right. on and so forth. But how exciting will it be to resume uh, yes. the things that have made Spring Ridge what it is yeah. um, maybe this summer? Yes. Even yeah. if you can just get out, if everybody starts getting their vaccines and all yeah. that kind of stuff and you can get out and go for a walk around the neighborhood yep. or go back to yep. a restaurant – we don't even know what restaurants are still going to be open know, when this right? is all over. I know. Yeah. <laughs> or even a party in the pavilion. You know, we didn't get to do that this year, you know. so Yeah, the summer party. Mm-hmm. And Jim and I really mm-hmm. miss not being able to come over and sing Christmas carols. I know. That, I know. We have really enjoyed that. I know. And so, I, you know, yeah, all these things have been such a game changer. But I, I am really proud of you, my friend, for the work you. that you all have done the work you continue to do and just getting through this with your heads held high and keeping your wits about you and thank you for not quitting yeah well and you know that that's one thing that the staff and i talk about too is like you know we're we're here for the residents we're here for them you know and if it weren't for us they would have nothing right now you know because their families can't be there so we have to come in and you and i have talked about this you know about making the weather you know so yeah everything outside of those four walls is going to hell in a handbasket right Right. (laughs) like the world is in chaos but we have to leave that at the door. We put on our smiley faces. We we go inside and we have fun. And for our eight hours or however long we're there, um, we're making that day the best that we can for those those residents. And the foundation that you built will still be there. Yes. All your beautiful flowers, yeah. your flower gardens, oh, your yeah. vegetable yep. garden, all those kinds yep. of things are still going to be yep. there. Yep. And they're within your your yes. boundaries yeah. so that your residents still have the ability to be able to that. go outside and yep. plant those flowers yeah. and, and reap what they sow and yes. make a salad with it yes. and all yes. that kind yes. of stuff. So, yep, yep. I had one little lady who picked all the green tomatoes and put them on her windowsill. Aww. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we still did all of that this summer. We made, you know, our dietary manager made uh, succotash with all the um, zucchini and squash that we had, and it, you know, I mean, so it was, you know, again, like we tried to be life as nor- as much normal as we could. <laughs> well, has Colby Cheese and the younger yeah, protege still, Bear, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. So they, he was still there all year, and yeah. let's explain who they are. Yes, so um, <laughs> well, Colby's no longer with us. He, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. He was my old man. My, he's a chocolate lab. Um, 15 years. So, wow. Yeah. But now we have Bear and he's two. 
And he's our, he's my dog, but he comes to work almost every day. So um, he's, you know, he's got 20 different names, champ, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> all kinds of names. He's whatever uh, somebody's he's old dog used to be called. somebody's <laughs> old dog used to be. Yeah, yeah. I even have one gal who, you know, when it's nice weather and stuff, her and I will take the dog for a walk around the neighborhood. Um, because that's just normal life. That's what yeah. you do. You know? Yeah. So. How has your... Um, the last piece of this, how is your ownership, um, how have they handled all of this? This uh, has been, yeah. it's been hard for them too, because sure. they're trying to help you from the outside. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. They've been trying from the outside, but they've been amazing. Amazing. You know, when April, May hit or, you know, March, April hit and PPE was short. I mean, that's what they were doing. They were scrambling to get us what we needed um, to do our jobs, you know, and um, nothing but supportive, you know, just nothing but supportive. When we did have COVID, um, they gave everybody hazard pay, you know. Oh, I mean, nice. it's, yeah, it's it's just those th- those little things, you know. When um, when COVID first hit, they, you know, that was about the time that insurance renewals, you know, health insurance renewals were happening, and you know, everybody goes up every year. Um, they did not do an increase. They actually ate the increase for our for our health insurance this year. Oh um, wow! Because they knew we need we, we were going to need it if we got sick. Right. Um, so they are very very supportive as much as they they can do from the outside. You and know? you know, Stacy, you've said over and over again. You know, this is a hundred year old TB hospital. Yeah. You are a very talented executive director, wow. and you could be at some big, mm. amazing, beautiful community. But we know that sometimes those communities don't always have the best right. care on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger means more headaches. Right. And honestly, for probably all the job offers you've gotten over the mm-hmm. years, um, I hope that it really resonates with you that you're very lucky to have the community and the staff yes. and the people that yes. you have yes. because you've just created – you've built an yeah. amazing village there, my friend. Well, and the, owner, and the owner we have too. You know, I mean our mission statement is we are, we are there to serve others and he is there to serve us. And I think that's – it makes the world of difference to work for somebody who actually believes in that and, and walks the walk and talks the talk. What is your ownership's name? Your- uh, it's Continuum Health Management. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Steve Briscoe is my owner. So he – it's just – it's amazing to work with somebody who truly believes in that mission. And he's – it's not about money. It's not about, you know, bodies in the bed. It's about right. good care and where people taking care of people. Well, again, thank you, thank you, thank you for yes. sponsoring the classes so that we can bring good education yes. to families. And again, register on my website, Summit Resilience Training, under events, under the event tab. It's not too late. The class is tomorrow, one thirty to 3.30, Mountain Time. And it's on Zoom, so just make sure you've got a good camera and you have um, a microphone that can pick up your voice and so on and so forth. Love to have you on it. And I just am so excited um, because I, I, we have some new options this year that mm-hmm. I haven't really had in, in maybe uh, co-teaching some of these classes oh, so to, to really see what families need from home. Yeah. I, I got a question just this morning. I'll ask you about this. You have had a couple of people in your community with FTD, frontal mm-hmm. temporal degeneration. Right. Today, one of the people asked me, what, why do they get hiccups? Or oh. what do you do about hiccups? 
That was a first for me. Have you ever seen that? I just wanted to field that to you and see if you have. That's interesting. I don't know I've never if I've heard noticed. That. Yeah. 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 I think that was just that person. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but how do you tell a person with FTD, advanced FTD, to hold their to breath hold their or breath. drink or <laughs> I know, right? A spoonful of sugar. <laughs> well, Stacy, I appreciate you. Stacy Naslin, again, Jill. Spring Ridge Park. Go and look at her website. Yeah. It's amazing in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have you on again. Maybe we can take some listeners' questions and field them sometime. Yeah. Great, I think that would be fun. very, very cool. Yeah. And uh, I wish you a happy new year, COVID-free. Yes, no more COVID. <laughs> We're done with this stuff. And I'm glad we didn't have to talk about it too much, yeah. you know, from the devastating point, but from right. actually how you have shown such resilience yeah, yeah. with your team and your families and your residents. Yeah. So, well, Thank Godspeed, you. my friend. Thank I will friend. keep you in my prayers. Oh, I appreciate it. Take all the prayers we can get. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And we yeah. will see all of you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.